0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Paul Brown podcast. I'm here with my host, Jack Duffin. We're here to talk about cornerbacks because, as you know, we're going along the line through the defensive positions. We took a couple days off. I had some plumbing to do this weekend. Jack was so enthralled watching the underwear Olympics on TV that we just took a pause. We let everybody consume the combine content. And now we're back. Jack how you doing, buddy?
1: Yeah, I, I watched um, as much. No, actually, I've, I've I've watched more college games than I have minutes of the Underwear Olympics.
0: Did anybody? What, what did? Do we know what Rich Eisen ran? What did he run? Do we know? No, no, nope, me neither. Yeah, it, and listen, this isn't a knock on the combine. It's become such a commercialized event now, and I think the uh, the best thing about Indy. I'm sorry, the best thing about the combine is Indianapolis, right? So it's a good, it's a great city. It's small, it's intimate enough. So I think a lot of the NFL guys go there. There's like three restaurants. So if you really want to meet one of these people, just go hang out at St. Elmo's. You're bound to see everybody under the sun. But that's really it. It's kind of like when the center of the universe goes to Mobile, the center of the NFL universe goes to Indy. And listen, I do think that draft stocks move a little bit in terms of if there's a guy that just kind of shows up under the pressure and the lights of the combine and just kind of maybe you see his body preparation, you see kind of what he did, but Jack, nowadays teams aren't using the combine data, are they?
1: No. So it's really valuable for us in non-team world to get this testing data and math bomb, Kennedy Platt, Platt, uh, the RAS scores is phenomenal and super useful just to sort of see where all of these guys stack because you throw out some random time and no one's got an idea where that actually lands, especially when you're talking about not wide receivers speed. Well, is that good speed? Is that bad speed? It's, it, it's a random number for lots of stuff. So that's really valuable. There is two 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 important things. So it what happens at the combine moves team boards and media boards, but for two different things. So if you look at the media boards... It's the first time they're able to really, truly test speed and put people up against each other. So no one's really dropping massively or increasing massively, but they can move their stock up, say, around. And then in terms of team boards, it will move drastically, but nothing to do with the testing. It's all of the player interviews that they then do has a real significant impact where dudes get themselves up a board because they they mix really well with the team. And dudes have gone off boards. Um, just based on how they answer and interact with the team. So um, important from that aspect, but teams are using tracking data. I'd love to be able to have tracking data. We could discuss how quick everyone is. and It does have an impact. A guy might run a particular way in a straight line at the combine. Well, What does he do when he's running a route? Is he slightly slower? Does it impact him because he's struggling to understand what he should do or he doesn't quite break as quick? I'm more interested how he is running a slant around three cones.
0: Yeah. And to understand, I know sometimes people don't understand. So when you get on Twitter, after a big play, you'll see next gen stats. will say that Nick Chubb reached 22.14 miles an hour. Right. And there's all these sensors and stuff that they put in their jerseys that will actually show them real time data of them moving. And to your point, Jack, If you go back and look at some of the guys from just say the last 20 years, let's not go like too crazy in generation You're like, well, how was Jerry Rice such a dominant receiver? And he ran a four, six or Terrell Owens is, you know, college tape was this, but he got better in the NFL. Well, when you know how to play a position, you said it, you stop thinking, you know, so everybody was talking about the safeties and the speed of the safeties. Well, guess what? If a safety is looking the wrong way, it doesn't matter if he can run a four, one or a four, seven, Because the quarterback, at the speed at which they throw the ball, we're talking about one two-tenths of a second. It's a meaningless stat. I want guys with football knowledge, with IQ that know, all right, hey, you know Tom Brady's looking here. I think he's going to go there. I mean, there's a famous stat one, or a famous interview once of Bill Belichick talking about Ed Reed. And it was the Peyton Manning play where Ed Reed knew specifically the things that Bill Belichick would see on tape. And on one play, uh, Belichick I think it was uh, Belichick was talking about a play, that so he wasn't in the game. But he was talking about a play with Ed Reed where Ed Reed faked like he was going to do one thing, did a complete and utter rotation the other direction. And when the quarterback threw it, he had no idea Ed Reed was going to be there. He was standing right there. It didn't matter if he ran a 5-5 or a 4-5. He was standing right there to intercept the pass. So it becomes a lot more about game recognition and football IQ than it does whether a guy runs a 4-4-7 or a 4-5-5. Because realistically, and I say this as somebody that's seen these people run. Okay. Joey Galloway is the fastest human being I've ever seen run in person. And I saw him. I've seen Teddy Ginn run. I've seen Chris Gamble run. I've seen guys run four threes, four fours, and Galloway's that was rumored was in the four twos. You cannot with the naked eye distinguish the difference between a four four and a four four five or a four four and a four five four eight. You can't. They are running so fast, it is insane. So I think a lot of it gets hyped up. The question ultimately comes down, can you play the position? And one of the key positions, and we actually, you know, coming off of the linebackers, we really kind of talked about the state of the Browns' room, who they had, the defensive edge, the defensive tackles. It was bleak. But now, today we're talking about cornerbacks. And the Browns have a few of these guys. So, Jack, can you break down for me the current state of the Browns' cornerback room?
1: Yeah, and I think it's right to start with Denzel Ward here. Um, he's the guy that's got paid just over twenty million, um, a significant amount of money, um, put into him. Um, and and that is effectively that it's going to make or break the room. If Denzel's playing well, it's going to be a good room. If Denzel's not playing well, it's it, the room's going to struggle because he's going to be out there if he's healthy, and it's time for him to effectively put up or shut up. Um, he's had a down year. Is it the scheme? Is it everything else? Is it j- just had a bad year? And corners go through bad years. This thing kind of happens at the position. And it's why coverage is more important than pass rush, but teams will regularly spend more on pass rush because it's more stable. Um, Miles Garrett is more stable, snap to snap, week to week, season to season, than you're gonna get from a corner. Um, even though a corner, hey, is out there more often, it probably over the whole course of a season, if, if both are playing at an elite level, the corner probably has a bigger impact. So um, Denzel Ward just below average this year, I think, by the end of it, because there was a nice stretch towards the end when the season was already done. But he needs to get a lot better. He's paid like a top five corner. He needs to be a top eight corner in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and with Ward, it's consistency, right? there's no false expectation that Denzel Ward is going to go 17 games in the NFL and not get beat for a touchdown or get tricked on a play. Maybe he's going up against the Stefan Diggs or a Tyree kill. Like, listen, the other guys are paid too. It's not like Denzel Ward's matching up against me. Right. So it's the consistency where, you know, you may have a week, but you look at a guy like Joel Batonio, right. Or you look at a guy like Anthony Walker before he got hurt. Well, They're out there doing their job week in and week out. It's not that Petonio's never going to get beat for a sack, right? You just hope that when Ward goes out there, he's consistently more times than not winning at the point of attack in terms of on the line. And then if he is in a trail technique, getting your hands on the ball, breaking things up, or maybe on a comeback route, the guy makes the catch. Just get him on the ground, get him out of bounds. Like, let's eliminate some of those explosive plays
1: and just a stat i want to touch on so pff do a stat called forced incompletions and this is talking about how much you not just interceptions whether it's uh past breakup stuff like that where you, you make the difference that stop the um completion the reason why and we spoke about SACS, SACs is such a small sample of happening so we use pressure numbers because they're more telling An elite interception rate is just under 1%, so 0.9. So judging a player by their interceptions isn't a great metric, but forced incompletions and using the 20% snap minimum that PFF kind of set the bar at, the number one corner in the NFL last season was Sauce Gardner, which quite right, I think everyone would accept he was the best, came in at 27% forced incompletions. So you've got a healthy number there. That's a, a good number to judge stuff off. And then 14th was Ward with 19%. So even though hey, when he got beat, it wasn't good, was still breaking up and causing problems uh, for wide receivers.
0: And Jack, the one thing I'll say is one thing I did a little bit different is with the forced incompletion rate. I looked at let's say 50% of the snaps because what I did is I moved the PFF bar to 50 because now we're talking Cornerback one and two. So now we're talking about judging Denzel Ward amongst his peers, because if you're a guy taking twenty five percent, the percentage may be a little bit skewed. So when you do the fifty percent of snaps, meaning that you have what at least I think it's like six hundred or something like that. I forget what this is. The bar somewhere in the four to six hundred range. Denzel Ward is I think seventh in the NFL at nineteen percent, and guess who's one above him? Emerson. Martin Emerson. So the Browns actually had two corners under this allegedly defense that everybody said was the worst defense they'd ever seen. Two corners in the top seven in forced incompletion rate, which is pretty good. The guys above them, A.J. Terrell, Michael Davis, James Bradford, Darius Williams, and again, Sauce Gardner.
1: And, and, and it's good to know as well when looking at these stats that The guys up the top are guys you would expect to be up the top. It's not one where, hey, we've got this great metric. It sounds really good. And then um, it's a load of $1 million corners that are up there, and it's more random. There is strong indication that the best corners are getting the highest forced incompletion percentage.
0: And also just, I know some people want to talk numbers. And listen, there's 32 teams in the NFL. Okay. Right. 30, 32, 32. The Browns, in terms of pass breakups, so physically knocking the ball away, have two corners in the top 28. So Denzel Ward comes in at 28 with seven pass breakups, and Martin Emerson was at 16 with nine pass breakups, right? Darius Williams led the league with 15, Sawstar saw Gardner with 14. So you're seeing similar names, right, in this, this ilk of upper-tier performance indicators. Yeah. Oh, Denzel gave up this completion and he tweeted about it, blah, 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 blah. But from a season picture, you're looking at guys that can perform that, you know, that can go out there week in and week out. That's a big thing with Denzel Ward as well as week in week out, but ultimately put up some stats. And that's kind of what we're hoping for is, are you doing your job? knocking the ball away, getting your hands on the ball because you're right. Interceptions are a little bit finicky. Now, I do think in Greg Newsom's case, it'd be nice if he could actually get like one in two seasons, but that's beside the point. Um, But if you look at Ward in terms of what he was able to do, that end of the season, once he kind of came back and was feeling a little bit better, from that Houston stretch and on from week 13 on is when he played his best football this season. I think the beginning of the season, he just it took him a little bit to kind of round into form
1: so next up let, let's jump to oh people have asked trading ward this isn't going to be the season to do it he's got too many guarantees in his contract that the same thing fans are going to say hey concussions injury prone down year um the the other team also watching the tape is also going to say the same things so they're not going to take on all his guarantees the contract uh, because what's three years left of guarantees they're going to be like, yeah, no, we're good. Um, So he's going to need to do at least another year. If he plays great, hey, we can have conversations, but uh, not this year.
0: Yeah, and let's be honest, we're not trading Denzel Ward yet.
1: No. A year ago, hey, it was a realistic discussion. We had it first and the third. We could then go get someone, and hey, the guy I want was trash in the end. But um, that if you were going to trade him, it had to be a year ago and not now. Um. So yeah, yeah, three more years of guarantees. Next up, Newsom. Newsom is an average slot corner. He's an above average outside wide, uh, outside corner. Um, I really like the player. First round pick. Is he? he he's not in the same category quiet as your wards, but he, he he's a really good player. Um, you don't have any fear if he's out there on the boundary. He's not getting beat. And there's not problems. But how great is he? I'm, I'm, I know I'm higher on him than you are.
0: Well, it's not that I'm not high on him. My whole point when we started the, the Greg Newsome talk weeks ago was that this there was this idea that this guy was like some generational corner, untouchable in the trading market. Like, if, I, if we traded Greg Newsome, it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, he's a good player. I, I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's not an elite corner, right? He hasn't shown, you know, Jair Alexander or Jalen Ramsey or something like this. Not saying he can't evolve into something. But as of right now, I ask people all the time, what's the most memorable play you can tell me of Greg Newsom's career? And you're going to take a while to think of one. At least with JOK, I could say he punched a ball out against the Raiders or something. Greg Newsom is just kind of a guy that makes a pass breakup here and there. You probably can't come up with one. You know, in terms of comparing him to Greg Newsome or to uh, Denzel Ward and to Martin Emerson, I mean, this is a guy that in terms of past breakups had six, you know, so he's a little bit below Ward and in terms of forced incompletion percentage was at 11, you know, Ward's was at 17, uh, Emerson was just above that and then Newsom's down a little bit. So one out of every 10 passes, he's causing an incompletion. I am not trading Greg Newsom for a bag of kicking tees. I'm saying if you're, in my scenario, I used him to leverage up to get like a Jackson Smith and Jigba. I have no problem making this trade. That's like I'm assigning a value to him. I'm just not making him some untouchable corner.
1: Yeah, I I did a scenario um, with Jake Burns where I I put out maybe the Eagles, potentially their late first, uh, which I think is pick thirty
0: um 30, 30 technically because there's only 31 picks in the first round this year and since they lost the Super Bowl they're
1: 30 yeah uh, I did that so Newsom and I think I did a, a the Browns fifth Newsom and a fifth for the pick 30 that's a sort of for me a re- realistic sort of scenario where you can go and get it and hey we're chatting there pick 30 Jake went and drafted his favorite corner and said hey I'm still going to dr- bring in a corner here but it's that kind of you're not trading him and just giving him away. It's not like we're sat here going, well, you could, should we do it for a fifth? It's not that conversation. Mm. If you, he is probably the most valuable piece that Browns could realistically move this season. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not one, oh, why do we want to make our defense worse? Well, is it making it that much worse? Because if he's, if he was an elite slot corner, I get it, but he's an above-average outside corner and an okay, just below-average slot corner. He's not been great in the slot, and people are saying, oh, we'll give it another year in the slot. Well, you can give it another year, and if it doesn't work quite as well, well, the trade value you get from him falls significantly, and it's it's a, often a case of you want to strike early or you just don't trade. The idea that, and people bring it up with Chubb, oh, I don't want to do it now, but maybe in a year's time. Well, maybe in a year's time, he's got one year left, and his value is potentially like a third-round pick rather than decent assets now.
0: Well, And part of the appeal of Newsom is he's completed two years of a first-round deal, so now he's going into that third year. Now, after this next year, you can talk about extending him. Well, Martin Emerson was taken in the third round, and Newsom was taken in the first round, meaning that they are going to come up for free agency at the same year. So even if you pick up Newsom's option, you know, you're know you coming off the Ward deal, so you're sequenced there. But at the end of the day, you're likely not going to pay both Emerson and Greg Newsom. You're going to pay the one guy you like best. The idea of sending him to Denver makes no sense because Pat Sertain was drafted you know, 18 slots ahead of him, and they're going to get paid the same year. But there are teams out there that need young, controllable rookies in rookie deal corners. That's why he is so valuable because even if you traded for Greg Newsom today, you have three years of control of him, meaning he's not going to hit free agency. If you want to pick up his fifth year option, you can. That's the main appeal. So again, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's the world's greatest, but you are right. If the Browns end up picking in the first round of this year or next year, it's likely because Greg Newsom returned them the value to make that pick.
1: And it is people sit there going, hey, I'd love this wide receiver or this weapon in the first round. And it's like, well, how, how do you get that? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to trade this, 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 this. It's like you sent a bag of peanuts. They're not going to take that offer. Um, and even if you were coming up with second, third, fourth, fourth, well, do you really want to give all that away? That's your entire draft for one guy um, who might then be John Metchie and not even play for you.
0: Yeah, well, the issue is is because you put these trades into these mock draft simulators and they work, so people kind of get the idea that that's how it's going to work. But again, I'm not down on Greg Newsom. I just don't understand the massive amount of hype. I mean, realistically, Denzel Ward had what two interceptions in his first game as a Cleveland Brown against the Steelers? It was like, oh, okay. I mean, Greg Newsom's played two full seasons and doesn't even have an interception. And in both of his season combines, he has as many pass breakups as Martin Emerson did in one year. So I'm just saying, let's pump the brakes on the all-pro Greg Newsom talk. I, I, From what I understand, he's a really super nice guy. He's very charitable with the fans in terms of his time and photos and stuff. And he shows up to Cavs games. I get it. Very Joe Hayden-like. But let's not pay guys for what they do off the field. Let's pay them for what they do on the field. That's what winning franchises do.
1: And the other part about an extension, even if they're both playing at the same quality, Greg Newsom's going to get a lot more money. Because Just because first round, first round pick, and people say, "Oh, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter," but it does. And you can see all the way through NFL history: guys that get drafted higher get paid more for a second deal. Just the way it happens. Not fair. Not right. But it happens. Um. So that's also something to keep in mind. Of hey, you get an Emerson, then suddenly, oh, the price is a little bit cheaper. And the other part is like, he doesn't want to play in the slot. I think- I was was just, you read my mind.
0: Let's segue before we go into Emerson real quick, because Jack, you pointed out, there was a good article we saw today regarding the slot corner. And the stigma in the past, in terms of guys getting paid, meant you had to be in the outside to get paid. Be boundary corners. And the reason for is because you were going up against the better receivers. Now, as you've pointed out, as Paul's pointed out, as I've pointed out, the good teams are moving their receivers around to hit matchups, meaning Tyree kill lines up in the slot. Jamar chase comes in the slot a little bit of uh, Stefan Diggs. So the slot corner position has evolved because the old idea was, well, that's where they're going to be lined up against my worst receiver. Well, that adage is gone. Meaning that if you're a good slot corner or you have inside outside versatility, the NFL is going to start rewarding these guys with contracts. So the question is, Jack, how long do you think it takes before what, – what, what did that article call it? An overcorrection? How, how did that get phrased?
1: Yeah, something like that. I, I think it's, it more comes down to, hey, right tackle and left tackle are basically of equal value. They're still not paid the same. Um, it is getting closer um, than it used to be, but I, I, I still think it's going to remain a value piece. Uh, is right to an out. If you are thinking about what's going to pay the most for you, your family, your future, and as well, where are you are going to have the longer career? You're going to have a longer career on the outside than get smashed up in rum fits on the interior. Why is it that cheaper guys and guys that are drafted late on end up more in the slot? Because they're battling to make a team and start. A guy that is on the outside and drafted highly, it, it, it's got a very nice career set up ahead of them. Um, and that is a factor.
0: The unique thing now is is I know it was talked about a little bit with like a guy like Isaiah Simmons from the Cardinals and people were saying like he's now almost acting as like a slot corner because people are using zone concepts on on the slot receivers. And so anything underneath, they're using just zone brackets and stuff like that. So there's a lot of talk this week about Grand Delpit in terms of a free safety role. There's talk about, you know, how to shift guys into that hybrid free safety slot role. So it'll be something interesting to watch. Because, you know, maybe let's say the Browns don't go with a true slot corner and they kind of rotate based on the guys, you know, Ward, Newsom, Emerson outside. Dell put a little bit in. Maybe Ward comes in. It's just going to depend. I think Schwartz may bring a little bit more flexibility to the secondary, but it's also one of the reasons that I'm not really too keen on signing Jesse Bates, which we'll get to on our safety show.
1: Uh, and one thing that I think has been pretty funny when people – um tweet, oh, he he only plays about 50% of his snaps in the slot or whatever that number is. Um, If you actually look at the Brown slot snaps, it's something like 80% of them that he's played. He's only played 50% because he's out on the field when they don't have a slot on on the field. So people are being very disingenuous with the way um, they tweet those numbers.
0: Well, the same way he's being stupid by tweeting outside and all that other stuff. Like, if you're Greg Newsom, just lay off the Twitter. You you don't help your cause because I'm sure when you go in to meet with Jim Schwartz, he's going to have a copy of those tweets. Just just a guess. <laughs>
1: so no, so I expect him to be back, but I also see a route to him being moved.
0: Yes, and that route is he is the most valuable trade chip you have on both sides of the ball, really.
1: So next up is Emerson. Emerson has had a fantastic rookie year. Um, really, really good. To the extent where if people do redrafts and after one year is really early, he is appearing in the first round. Um, and that is incredibly promising. Um, An absolute steal by Andrew Berry. Um, yeah, I I think you cannot ask much more. Um, it's almost a shame in a way that if Newsom is still here, that is he held back because going into year two on vast majority of NFL teams, he would be a starting outside corner, hundred percent of the snaps.
0: Yeah. And and listen, I get it. Emerson was a guy. He came in as a third round pick. Therefore expectations were lower. He has the pick six in the preseason game and people started looking like, Hmm, but what's happened, Jack. And I don't know, maybe this will change this year going into a little bit more of a new coaching staff, but certain teams, just have the mold of a guy that they like to draft, right? So a lot of teams combine data looked at Emerson and said, this guy's slow. Oh, he's slow. That's, that's why I went in a third. Look at it now. So all of a sudden, one year removed from the NFL, that slow guy at the combine is now a first round pick. Well, why is that? Because you've seen him on the field. You've seen his physicality, which, how do you measure physicality with like, you know, testing numbers? You can't, you have to watch a guy play. That's where analytics as Stefanski and all of them have said is a complementary piece to the puzzle. It is not the entire puzzle. That's why they look and say, Hey, you know, I don't know what Martin Emerson's RAS score was, but I'm sure it was relatively athletic because a guy at his size with his 8. agility, 92. eight point. Yeah. So this is a guy, he's not a 9.9, you know, and all this other stuff, 8.92. So for a guy for his size, what was his 453, four, 4'6, four, somewhere in there
1: he was on the oh, other sorry. St- 8.44 his 40 was 4.53
0: yeah so he's a 4.5 oh well, all these other guys are running four fours, yeah. 4.53 and he's knocking balls away left and right you know so it's just one of those things where see the player interview the player like you mentioned about the combine bring him into your system give him a supporting cast with hey I got Newsom's I got Ward's I got Delpit's I got all these guys and he can succeed
1: Yeah, so I think one thing to keep in mind, so people say, hey, keep the three corners, we we need injury cover, and hey, I I get that, but I want to maximise my 22. Well, I'd say you've effectively got 10 guys on either side of the field that are on the the field near enough all the time. You've got two edges, two DTs, two linebackers, two corners, two safeties. You've got... um, two wide receivers an offensive line one running back one quarterback and one tight end and then between schemes you rotate whoever the extra guy is whether you bring in an extra uh, d-line and linebacker db you bring in an extra running back wide receiver tight end effectively you've got 20 full-time starters would you rather have a weakness there so you can have a third corner that's sat on the bench unless they need it needed for an injury no makes no sense There is some value, though, to if you're playing a lot of man coverage, and it's why Pats for a while have been one of the only teams that played loads more man coverage than everyone else. They have a lot of depth to corner because you do need to rotate. If you're playing zone, you can remain fresher because you're not needing to run. Hey, you might have to run all the way across the field. That wide receiver jumps off to take a breath for a snap. If you're the corner and you've got no depth, you need to go back out there and line up.
0: Yeah, It's also a physicality standpoint with man. You're just going to be a little bit more physical. So it's a little more hand fighting, but yeah, I mean, the Gr- Browns, if they play it as they have, right. And they, they hold steady, have three solid corners above league average, right. That they can, they can go in the next season with, and there's no doubt that Jim Schwartz sitting down with Stefanski pointed out the fact that, Hey man, I really like these corners. Now, if Andrew Barry goes, you're going to really like two of them, you know, that that's, that is what it is. But do we not have confidence that berries can maybe go out and find another corner somewhere in this draft to bring in, you know, we had AJ green come in. We've had Emerson come in, Greg Newsom. I mean, been all right at drafting corners.
1: Yeah. So we'll quickly touch on the guys on the roster before we get into free agency. So uh, greedy's gone. I don't think we need to say much of that. He's not coming back. Um, next up, we've then got AJ green, who would be a restricted free agent which means to tender him, that's going to be 2.7 million. I expect them to tender him and bring him back for camp. Um, Same way they did with sort of Dearness Johnson and then work it out from there. There's no guarantees in that deal, but also you need to be prepared that say Ward goes down with a major injury in camp. The last thing you want is you've got nothing there because you didn't tender AJ Green to a non-guaranteed deal. You tender guys to keep your options on the table.
0: Yeah. So when when about would, would when about would we see that tender come
1: through? Off the top of my head, I think the deadline's like the 15th. So I think it's like the new league year um when they they can tender. Um so yeah. It might be the 13th So so done before the tampering period, but Perfect. I think it's the new league year.
0: Okay. And it, listen, AJ Green, limited snaps in 2021, 176 snaps. Played really well. This year, little less, 142 snaps. Had a bit of a drop-off in terms of his production. His passer rating against went from 21.4 to 119.3. So, obviously, there was some things going on. We'll see if – I don't think they've completely given up on A.J. Green as kind of a role guy, especially since a lot of his value comes kind of in that special teams uh, aspect of it. So, could be one of those ones where they bring him around. What's that? You got something?
1: I, I I was worried you were going to jump off and not cover our last corner.
0: Oh, no, I'm not. And now that Green's kind of, we're talking about the restricted free agents, explain the difference between a restricted free agent and an exclusive rights free agent, because I think that's where you're going next.
1: Yeah, so an exclusive rights free agent is a guy that's done three leagues, three years in the league. Um, and the only reason he get he got lucky here, so he wasn't on the roster long enough, in his first season to get a normal accrued season. But they changed the rules for the first COVID year. So if you had one game on, you're all right and you're over the line. Whereas he would normally need the six. And he didn't quite get to the six games to do it. But because of COVID, he actually gets it. So um, if there'd have been no COVID year, he would still be an exclusive rights free agent having two accrued seasons. But he's actually got three. So he gets the tender which is similar to the the Ernest Johnson, similar to Daryl Hodge. It's another one that's happened under the Browns recently. Um, So it will probably get to the end of camp and then they'll either let him go or they'll agree to a new deal where they give him some guarantees, some incentives. Um, I don't see anyone offering him a deal that he'll sign, but a a team could. And then he could go and sign that deal. Say a a team even offers, say, one and a half mil, fully guaranteed. He could say, hey, I'm going to sign this and then the Browns can match it or let him go. Um, So some different routes in there. The next name is Thomas Grant, which is, I'd say, the nearest we have to a pure slot on the roster. Um, not particularly great. He's a bit of a special teamer. Um, exclusive rights free agent. So he has a choice. He can either retire or come back to the Browns if they tender him. Um, so he's definitely going to be back for camp. Um, and he's, he's just going to battle for a roster spot. Likely to be one that might land on the practice squad. But he could easily be there, like, fifth um, corner and continues trying to work up to be that long-term answer at slot.
0: Yeah. And he was a guy who, if you remember, right, came in in that Tampa Bay game. And that was his kind of one week where the Browns were thin in the cornerback. He came in, played really well in terms of what your expectations is for your fifth corner. Uh, Graham's a guy. I remember the, the, there was a lot of talk about him coming into the draft out of the kid out of Oregon. The bears ended up taking him pretty late in the draft uh, sixth round, I believe. And was fine i mean he was a he was a late pick came in 112 snaps his rookie year with the bears um had one decent game against the minnesota vikings in week 15 where he had three pass breakups in a year so the browns saw something in him and said hey let's bring him in they brought him in i agree jack he's an exclusive rights free agent correct yeah so he comes back put him in the mix A guy I think like him is a guy where you say, hey, let's build off of last year, right? We've had two decent seasons in the NFL. Let's keep building. Let's keep building. Let's prove yourself on specials. And then from there, you know, you hopefully can carve out that cornerback three, cornerback four role. Because I think he was active for seven games last year.
1: Yeah, so he's one, he's not going to play loads, but there's some useful stuff you can get off him. Absolutely. So that pretty much covers
0: the, Existing Browns room. Generally, we talk about trades and stuff. Jack, they're not trading for any corners.
1: No. It's, so it's, if it's they traded off Newsom, they would go out and I think sign a full time slot. Would they do they sign a full time slot? Is going to be an interesting one to see. Um, so we can pretty much
0: jump right from trades right into the free agency crop.
1: Yeah. And I think it's worth, I've got two guys I really like in the slot. One I think is going to get much more than I initially planned, um, and that is...
0: To run through real quick, is this guy, because the, the top free agents, a lot of people say, well, who are the top guys, right? Jamel Dean, James Bradbury, Cam Sutton, Jonathan Jones, Patrick Peterson, Rocky Sin, Marcus Peters, Byron Murphy. Any of these guys? No. Are they um... pretty much zeros on all of them, right?
1: They they're just not happening. I've even got other names like Anthony Brown, Eli Apple, Um, Omani, Owarie, Um Yeah, these are H- guys are
0: going to want to go starters. They're, these are guys looking for Troy like,
1: Hills not coming back.
0: <laughs> top top fifty percent of your snaps type of starters, which they're not coming to the Browns. We got three guys that have that role. They ain't coming to the Browns. If you're an agent, you're like, don't even take a call from Cleveland. Doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, so. The top slot corner is Jonathan Jones. Um, Patriots, going to cost you about five and a half mil a year. If you moved on from Newsom, I could see the play there. Um, He's been awesome in the slot, and he's been above average on the outside. That is a phenomenal tandem at the price he's going to go for. Um, And that is that's why it's so easy to go, hey, I'm willing to trade off a player like Newsom. It's not because I can't replace him. I can't easily go out and replace him as an outside corner. But I've already got that in Emerson. Can I improve our performances in the slot? And people go, Oh, what do you mean you're getting better than Newsom? Well, let's just compare Newsom as a slot corner. It's it's average. If you can get better there, well, suddenly your your starting defense is actually improved. You traded off Newsom. You spent that on a edge, a defensive tackle, whatever. There, there is roots to improve the team, even if it's trading off a talent player. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, is
0: there any of these guys that really you can see coming in and getting meaningful snaps right away?
1: If we have the three corners remain, no one's getting meaningful snaps.
0: That, that's And that's kind of what my theory is, is I would think that they would have to be pretty high on somebody that are bringing in and or A.J. Green or Thomas Graham. They are going to have to feel comfortable to move on from Newsom because they're going to try to make with what they have in that room work. Jonathan Jones, I mean, the pro- projected on him is, you know, five and a half million a year. I just don't see that happening. They're just they're just not going to go not going to put more money into that.
1: Uh, yeah, it's not happening unless you trade Newsom. If you trade Newsom, then that as a, a security blanket and what you move on to is it's perfectly realistic, I'd say.
0: So, do you have any free agents that you have
1: your kind of your eye on? So, there's one guy that I really, really like, and I initially thought he'd be cheaper, but just the more I look into him, the more his price keeps going up in my head, and that's Isaiah Oliver, um, who's at the Falcons. I think he he's another one that plays inside now, um, but more inside. I think he would be a brilliant addition, um, but he's not going to come here to be a fourth corner. That's going to be the continued issue that we have. Unless you're willing to relegate Martin Emerson to effectively be an injury cover, why is one of these corners going to come?
0: It, it's a great question because I wouldn't. I mean, it, realistically, if you're a if you're a free agent, even in a slot, I can understand. Remember when Troy's. Uh, Troy Hill came here. We knew he was going to start, so he was willing to sign because he's going to start. You're not. You're not going to do that here. You're just not.
1: Yeah, you're not going to take a cheap, cheaper prove it deal to sit on the bench. You're only going to take a cheap, cheaper deal if you're guaranteed starting time. So unless you're going out and signing like a Jones at five and a half mil, why are these guys that are any good going to want to come and play with the Browns? Because At the same time, if you do that and you turn around to Martin Emerson and go, you're only going to get snaps if someone else is injured, well, he's probably going to be sat there after one year and going, "Um, do you want to trade me? Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? You're a player that had a really good rookie year and then your team's gone, no, we don't think you're good enough to play. So it's a tough scenario here.
0: I... In doing this, I kind of looked around and I'm like, all right, is there anybody here that even interests me? And after scanning all of them, Jack, I only have one guy that I'd even call. Is it my guy? I don't know. I'll let you say who you think it is.
1: Oh, You you, you know my guy. We were chatting about him earlier today. Off the
0: top of my head. Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah. No, please. We can talk about him because that's, that's not it. That is not my guy. So
1: one of the best slot corners in the NFL this last season, and it might have been for the last two seasons, is none other than Tavares Thomas. And that is absolutely nuts, considering he was a guy that was a little bit shaky outside First corner. All, it's
0: not nuts because we've been a fan of this guy for so long, so clearly it's not nuts. We know what we're talking about, Jack. That's how this goes.
1: I thought he was good. I did. And he, he was an elite special teamer. And I thought he, he he was okay, but I didn't think there was really anything there. And when the um, Texans gave him $2 million, I was like, these guys lost the plot. Um, but he has been so good, it's unbelievable. And that is kind of, if you were going to go out and pay a guy to be a slot, where you're paying them for the special teams bonus on top, that is a move I would love, where you go, hey, you're going to come in, you can play 250, 300 snaps a year. You're then going to be a special teams captain. Not they're not going to give the captaincy from hewlett that's hewlett's but he's effectively a leader of that special teams unit that would be the dream scenario where you're two million and you're getting a phenomenal return
0: yeah listen you know i love Tavi thomas just do um there's two guys that that's all i've really kind of said one of the guys um he's on his third team he plays a lot in the slot this is legitimately what you're talking about for a cornerback for chandon sullivan uh, this guy was with Minnesota last year. Many people rem- may remember him from his Green Bay days, was in Green Bay for a little while, started his career briefly with the Eagles. Um, He's your slot type of corner that's going to come in and give you snaps. I don't, I mean, he's 27 years old, so he may be looking for a little bit more of a, a starter type of role. It's potential, but what... Uh, just in first glance when you look at Channon Sullivan, you see anything that at least interests you for
1: um I've not really looked too much into him, but you look last season he played a thousand snaps what almost why would he bother coming um because I mean be... I
0: think majority he was the slot corner of Minnesota
1: yeah, but they they're they're playing a thousand slot snaps in the slot um that's certainly going to be.
0: Because I think he basically signed a one-year deal. He spent three years in Green Bay, came out and said, hey, you know, I want to give a shot to play a little bit more. Didn't have a great season, so to say, with Minnesota. I mean, it was fine. It was, you know, what you'd think. But at the end of the day, is Minnesota interested in bringing him back? Kwesi, I, I listen, at this point, we're drawing very thin lines between guys in what you take. I think last year he played on, what, $1.7
1: Yeah, and I think you could get him for two million. I I don't. I think he's a good good addition. Um, If you're going to go out and chase a pure slot, there is a lot of sense in that move. Um, Yeah, why wouldn't you? You get a guy that he just does the job. Um, Barely plays specials, but at the end of the day, if you're playing a thousand snaps on defense, you're not really playing specials. Um, And it's not like you're a role player. If you're playing three hundred snaps, then suddenly it's a different game.
0: Last guy I got was an undrafted guy uh, out of Vanderbilt a few years back. Trey Herndon was with the Jags last year, um, played in the slot. Again, 1.7 million had some flashes, you know, where he showed now that Jacksonville defense did definitely take a step in terms of last year in terms of production. But this was a guy who, again, we're talking about filling this developing corner, you know, cornerback role. So Trey Herndon and Chandon Sullivan were the two guys that I kind of just earmarked, said, hey.
1: He allowed a really high passer rating in the slot. So his slot snaps weren't great. So I, I would definitely lean more towards the first ones than the second one."
0: This is how you get guys cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no, he's, is- he's never been like a breakout corner. I'm literally talking about depth guys for dirt cheap dollars. Where, yeah, and it is. If Thomas Graham goes, this is, you know, the type of guy you could hopefully get to step in.
1: Yeah, and you're bringing in guys potentially upgrade on him, and can you get a little bit more juice out of the position? So there's definitely an element there. Um, I think it can you, and I don't think sort of two and a half million is unreasonable because if they're going to pay AJ Green his tender, then. Sticking that money into a Oliver Thomas, even someone else is perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I I I think people who are expecting big things from the slot are probably going to end up underwhelmed, just because the question is why would you take that money, um, and then also the knock-on impact. I think we are going to over the next this season, and certainly if not this season, next offseason, you are. Probably going to see issues where someone wants out in this cornerback room because there is not going to be enough slots to go around unless, hey, they work it all out and they suddenly start looping different people into the slot. It could be, but yeah,
0: yeah if you'd have right. to get to where it's like Seattle with that Legion of Boom, where you get the guys in quorum together for a little while, um, that that's really what you're doing. But Jack, at the end of the day, free agent market is going to be bleak in corners. I think you and I are both know if they're going to take a corner for this slot role, it's going to be a younger guy in this draft coming up, which we'll do the draft stuff later. You know, whether we're talking about the, you know, the TCU kid or the Utah kid or whoever in terms of slot. But Jack, realistically, this is going to be something that's addressed with either a person that's dropped below their value in the draft for day two or most likely a day three pick. Because if you look down a lot of these performing slot corners, they were taken at day three in the draft. And that's what it is. Teams have gotten them, developed them. And I think that's what the Browns are going to do. So I think they're going to keep this room intact, maybe bring in a vet minimum or guys that are just trying to chase camp contracts and draft a guy. That's how this room's going to go.
1: Yeah. And I think you're looking at five or six guys um, because they keep 10 DBs and that kind of like, it's a fifth safety versus a sixth corner. Um, so there's some competition there. Um, but yeah, it's one that they're definitely going to draft a guy. And suddenly that's four guys. Is it a free agent? Um, Because if it's a free agent, you're probably saying to AJ Green, hey, you can go. Um, you're free to look elsewhere. Um, but no, it, it, that I think it's stability. And they're going to keep building through the draft. I don't expect big free agency moves. But if they could get somebody, it would be, be a nice little addition.
0: Absolutely. So on that note, That's a lot of cornerback talk from the one position of strength that we, you know, that we have in terms of the current roster makeup. Obviously, a lot of resources have gone into this room. So we will get around. We got one more room left to do the safeties. Uh, Jack, what are you working on currently with the OBR? Obviously, we're we've the combines over. We're now in that little dead time with new league year coming up and then the uh, the draft coming up in April. So what do you got cooking in the old pot at the
1: OBR? Yeah, so what I'd recommend is jumping over there and going back to an article that I wrote about cash spend. Um, I believe that went up Friday, I want to say. But that, for me, is one of the article that I've learned the most writing this off-season. So um, really, really valuable. You've got the free agency cheat sheet, which is on there. Um, it's tagged down the right if you're on your phone or on the desktop um, there that you can jump to. And that's just got a list of like, the top sort of five position of uh, five players at each spot. I can realistically see, um, but no free agency now is all the big focus. So not too much else coming out, um, but I think it's going to be reacting to deals as they, uh, they drop. And then I'm going to jump into some draft stuff after that. Going to reassess all the uh, age guard rails and have they worked.
0: Absolutely. We'll do a uh, Derek Carr and Geno Smith breakdowns on their quarterback contract soon enough. Hey. So. All right, everyone. Thank you again. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: On the car one, it's really telling because that was reported as a hundred and fifty million deal when it was announced. Effectively, it's a hundred million deal plus a a fabricated 50 million fourth year. And, And that's something just to keep in mind as we get into free agency that when the initial number comes out, it's probably nonsense until we actually see the terms of the deal.
0: Yeah, annual reminder. So all right. Well, Jack, thank you for your time. You're always the best. I know I appreciate it. Paul appreciates it as he's coming back from the Ukraine. Uh, If you haven't, go check out what Paul's been doing. Just awesome. A lot of on the ground visual stuff to kind of get a glimpse of what it is like over there on the grounds in Ukraine. I'm going to continue doing plumbing. Jack's going to continue not watching the combine and doing all of his cheat sheets and guides for to make us average fans a little bit smarter. So on that note, we got nothing else. So go Browns.
1: Go Browns.